0: evening and welcome to the Pompey Politics Podcast. I'm Ian Tiny Morris and I'm Simon Sandspring.
1: Evening chum and also Enid Blyton has decided, my uh, cat has decided that she wishes to make an appearance on today's show so we know we've got at least one extra fan involved.
0: Excellent, well um, Cats are always good at judging
1: people, so or you know usually it's quite good. To know. Yeah. Yes, it's, yes, yeah, good to know that you've got one on your side. So our our plan today had originally been to go with two Supreme Court judgments. Um one on the uh on the Aquint pipeline, but um the Supreme Court decided to defer um a decision on that. So uh that's that's an area that we will it's been running and running for a couple of years, but we will pick that one up in a future show, will we not?
0: Uh, yeah, indeed. We'll, um, we've, we've touched base with our, with our friends Let's Stop Aquind, um, and they're indeed actually having a meeting tonight. So I'm sure we'll hear from them and um, um, we'll, we'll see um, what, what news there is in, in the world of telling Aquind to stick it up their trench, basically.
1: Well, indeed, yes, rather than our trench, specifically through the centre of our fair city. But we did get one Supreme Court ruling, did we not? Our friends from Scotland petitioned the uh, Supreme Court to say, go on, can we have uh, another independence vote, please? And the Supreme Court said, no, (laughs) no, you can't. Uh, no well, this the, the supreme
0: court ruling was was um was was basically it wasn't quite so um Dickensian, but it was it was essentially that um it's it's not a devolved matter as as it wasn't in 2014 2014 required um Basically, an act of parliament to enable the um, the legislation. I think it was a section thirty to be passed yep. to the to um, to Hollywood for them for them to be able to actually hold the referendum. So it was held with Westminster's support in two thousand and fourteen. Um, this time, that support is not forthcoming.
1: No, and and I, I guess as we get into this, and uh, it may stun viewers to understand that we do do a little bit of research before we leap into such topics, owing to the fact that neither you nor I are fundamentally Scottish in any way, shape, or form. So we thought we'd better we'd better do a bit of digging in our homework, and and we have found many fascinating things and angles on this whole approach. And um, but I guess if we start with the fact that, as you say, the the ruling was 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 not as as perhaps as simplistic as I've played it. You know, as you said, it is the fact that the Scottish Parliament doesn't have the autonomy to call an independence vote itself, that it needs support, you know, effectively from Westminster. And at the moment the government of the day is saying, well, no, we're not going to support this.
0: Um yeah, and that that's that's the conundrum. So our our question this evening is is about the mechanisms or the practicalities of of that rather than the question of should Scotland be an independent country? Because as you say, um, we're two guys that live in Portsmouth, Um, short of going to the Isle of Wight, you couldn't really get much further south than Scotland. So we're literally the other end of the country. Um, So definitely we cannot um, pretend to be experts on constitutional matters, Um, related to scotland or or can we speak on behalf of either side of the scottish debate but there's some there's some details that we've dug up that we wanted to talk through and thrash out and hopefully with some contributions from the chat um i've we've made a note of some of the some of the comments that have been made to our social media posts during the week and that i'll speak to later on um and just to kind of get a feel
1: um for for where people are on that so is it worth kicking off with the uh with the audio clip of how the uh how the, the, the good people of the Scottish National Party in uh, in Westminster reacted to the news of uh of the Supreme Court says no? Um yeah, so
0: the these are some excerpts from uh, from Wednesday's PMQs, which obviously followed on not that shortly after the the ruling from the Supreme Court. So um, yeah, let's um, let's hear um, let's hear what they had to
2: say. The Supreme Court clarified a point of law, but the very point of democracy in this union is now at stake, and democracy will not be denied. Because whether Westminster likes it or not, last year the people of Scotland voted for a Scottish Parliament with a majority and the mandate to deliver an independence referendum. The Prime Minister has every right to oppose independence. He has no right to deny democracy to the people of Scotland. If the Prime Minister keeps blocking that referendum, will he at least be honest and confirm that the very idea that the United Kingdom is a voluntary union of nations is now dead and buried? Well, Mr. Seeker, let me start by saying. We respect the
3: clear and definitive ruling of the, of the Supreme Court of the United Kingdom. And what I would say to the Honourable Gentleman, that, uh, firstly, I am looking forward to also seeing uh, the Moderator of Scotland tomorrow. Uh, and I think that the people of Scotland want us to be working on fixing the major challenges that we collectively face, whether that's the economy, supporting the NHS, or indeed supporting Ukraine. Now is the time for politicians to work together. And that's what this
2: government will do. Ian Blackford. Mr. Speaker, it is right that we respect the decision of the court. But the Prime Minister can't claim to respect the rule of law and then deny democracy in the very same breath. If democracy is to matter, if elections matter, then mandates matter. Since 2014, the Scottish National Party has won eight elections in a row. Last year, we won a landslide. The Scottish Parliament now has the biggest majority for an independence referendum in the history of devolution. The, the Prime Minister doesn't even have a personal mandate to sit in 10 Downing Street. What right does a man with no mandate have to deny Scottish exactly. democracy? But, yeah. well, well, Mr. Speaker,
3: when, when it comes. To Scottish democracy, I'm pleased that the Scottish government has one of the most powerful devolved assemblies anywhere in the world, and and I'm pleased, and and I was pleased, very shortly after becoming prime minister, to be the first prime minister in over a decade to attend the council, to sit down with the first minister, to explore ways in which we can work together with the Scottish government to deliver for the people of Scotland. Whether that is delivering our growth deals, delivering free ports, or ensuring that the £1.5 billion of extra Barnet money can go towards supporting public services, that is what we are committed to doing in Scotland. Gareth Johnson in praising their efforts. Alan Thornton
2: Thank you, Mr Speaker. Good afternoon. Mr Speaker, since 2014, the SNP have won eight elections
0: and we now have more councillors, Members of the Scottish Parliament and more MPs in this place than any other Scottish political party. Every one of those elected members were elected on a manifesto and clear mandate for Scottish independence. Mr. Speaker, what democratic right does this government have to deny Scottish democracy, refuse an independence referendum, and to keep us shackled and imprisoned in this involuntary and unequal union against the will of the Scottish
3: people? Well, Mr Speaker, again, we respect the decision of the Court today with regard to the referendum and we are getting, getting on with the business of working constructively, collaboratively in partnership with the Scottish Government to deliver for his constituents. Indeed, the Ayrshire Growth Deal is investing over £100 million to make use of his region's strong industrial heritage, potentially making more use of renewable energy. That is the kind of positive project we should be focused
1: on and that is what we will keep on delivering. Just three months ago, this appointed interim Prime Minister said in Scotland, and I quote, "...we live in a union which is, of course, there by consent and by democracy," and added, I accept that. Well, Mr Speaker, by their consent and by democracy, the Scottish people have already voted by a clear majority in the Scottish Parliament to have their say through a referendum on the independent future for Scotland. So it begs the ultimate question, Mr. Speaker. Can this Prime Minister tell us if he accepts Scottish democracy? And if so, how that's compatible with today's Supreme Court ruling that clearly exposes the myth that the UK is a voluntary union and is upheld by consent.
2: Mr. Speaker, During the 2014 referendum, we were told that Scotland was an equal partner in a family of nations. Yet the disaster that is Brexit was forced on Scotland against our will, and we see devolution wound back by legislation such as the Internal Market Act. So if the Prime Minister still claims the UK is a voluntary union, can he explain the democratic route by which the people of Scotland get to make a choice over the their
3: own future. Well, Mr. Speaker, the UK is a collaborative and constructive union that is delivering for the people of Scotland. Even in her, in her own, in Ayrshire itself, where we're working collaboratively with the Scottish Government to invest in aerospace, advanced manufacturing, and space. Those are the types of act- activities that will bring tangible benefit to the people in her region, and that's the right focus for the Government.
2: Angela Adams.
3: Thank you Mr Speaker. Scotland is a proud nation with a unique heritage. It is a valued member of our family of nations, a union of people bound through the generations by shared interests. Does my right hon. Friend agree with me that this morning's Supreme Court decision gives the Scottish nationalists, the SNP, the opportunity for once to put the people of Scotland first? (laughs) Obsession with breaking
2: us apart.
3: I think that I, my, my 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 right honourable friend put it very well, Mr. Speaker.
0: Okay. Mm. So the last contribution there, um, obviously from previ- previous PM. I know there are so many. Uh, Theresa May.
1: Yes, now are inter- so many so many interesting angles to look at from that sound clip. And I think the, the the interesting thing for me which it, the first piece which appears to be the stance of the SNP. So the SNP there were drawing very clear parallels that say we're the largest party in Scotland. We keep winning elections and we are a nationalist party ipso facto the people of scotland wish to leave the uk and the fact that you won't let us uh, and again the 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 tone is let us leave rather than let us have a vote to see whether the majority want to leave means there were words like shackled and imprisoned um is it if you know it it, (laughs) Is that a fair synopsis of, of, of what the data tells us about the Scottish people?
0: Um, so, uh, yeah. Before a brief history lesson, shall I g- go into some stuff about the about the recent um, about the recent elections and about the polling?
1: Yeah. So let, let's you know again, as I say, I think it's important to look at that because the 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 position very clearly that was that was taken by the SNP folk who spoke there. Um, and, you know, again, it's, I'll be honest with you, it's not a topic that I have watched that closely, but I, I started, before we re- started researching the show, believing, I believed that there was a sizable majority um, of the Scottish people that wanted independence. Right.
0: Okay, so just to kind of headline that a little bit then, so... Um... So the independence referendum that that took place in um in 2014 um should Scotland be an independent country um and yep. the um the result of that referendum was 55.3 uh, oh hang on no I've put that the wrong way around um that's actually meant to be <laughs> I've done the graphic the wrong way around have you I've... Have you, uh, have you made Scotland
1: independent by accident? I have I've done it like we've done it we've solved the problem oh. Bloody hell! <laughs> With all the power that we've got, Simon, this could be seismic. It it could be.
0: We we're changing the future of, of the future of Scotland. So or the history, in fact. Yeah, we're the, the, we're just rewriting history, left, right, and centre. So ignore the ignore the labels on the on my on my pie chart. Then, but um, but Scotland voted no fifty five point three percent um in twenty fourteen, and yes. Um, was forty four point seven percent, and interestingly enough, um, there have been several polls done since then. But the average of the last forty weeks of um, of polls um, have um, have that figure actually um, not perhaps quite the seismic shift um, that the um, that the SNP were hoping for. Which um, which was forty seven percent no, and I'm sure it's this way round now, and forty four percent yes, um, with eight percent not sure. That's the average of all of the polls done in the last forty weeks.
1: Right. So let's um. So so if we just unpack that for, for a for a moment. So uh, you know, as we know, fifty two forty eight can be a very significant majority in a in a referendum. Um, so 55-45 is, 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 you know, it's not a landslide by any stretch of the imagination, but it's a fairly significant, um, you know, it's a fairly significant gap. Mm. And if we look at that poll of polls, and, you know, again, we, we've got no axe to grind, have we? So there's an element of, you know, if we take the 8% and we split it, you know, we, we split it in half and say half will fall yes and half will fall no... Then you're going to end up almost with a 51 and a bit to 48. No, again. Oh God, that, not that dreaded number again. Yes, yeah. um. yes, yeah, not. We know that 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 tends to seldom end a debate once and for all. Um, but I think the thing that strikes me in this is is the, you know, the SNP there we're, were taking a very strong line that that said. You know, and and there can be no doubt about their electoral success over the last, you know, eight elections, and 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 the way in which, you know, the the popularity and the vote share and the number of you know SNP MPs that are returned has grown and grown and grown. So there there is mass support for the SNP, but the 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 kind of if you like the the seismic or the the parallel that seems to be drawn, that suggests that that is also that that the, the same growth in SNP support translates across in support to Scottish independence. The numbers you've just shared there don't bear that out. Um,
0: well, they, they certainly don't seem to to tell the to tell the same story. If you look at um, if you look at Scottish um, MPs um, so elected to to Westminster um the last general ele- uk general election was was 2019 which has got um 48 um snp mps six conservative one labor four liberal democrat if you go all, all the way back to 1997 so back when kind of devolution um kicked off although that wasn't the start of it and we'll get to that in a minute um the numbers were quite were quite reversed um the snp had um had six um Labour had 56, the Liberal Democrats had 10, and the Conservatives had none. So so there's been quite a change of fortune. So on one hand, you you can't say, you know, it's it's not a it's not a fair claim to say that the SNP don't represent people in Scotland, because people in Scotland obviously keep voting for them. The the question is, is that um does that translate into into support for independence itself no but then again that that speaks to you know Nicola Sturgeon herself said that her preferred mechanism for testing the question again would be a referendum but in absence of the ability to do that so in light of the judgment on Wednesday that what she's going to do is is treat the outcome of the general election um, whenever that comes next um, as I'm, um, if the if the SNP have a have a majority, then they're going to treat that as a mandate p- to pursue negotiations for um, for independence. But do, do either of these numbers translate into an overwhelming majority of Scots being in favour of independence? No, no, that's not that's not what the numbers are, numbers that's, are saying.
1: N- no, and that, and that's not the, and. and if, and again, look. If you were Nicola Sturgeon and you were, you were, you know, you 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 were, it, it, of that mindset, then of course, you know, you, you are looking at a situation where, you know, having analysed a, a number of, of of data sets across political, you know, changes over the years, you know that that data set that you've just shared there says so a very clear, it's a very clear message, doesn't it? the support for labor north of the border has absolutely collapsed and all of that that support has has almost directly transferred to the smp and if i was to look at it objectively if you look at the the smp's performance north of the border in terms of delivering on some of those social ideals, you know, around the welfare state, around, you know, dentistry, prescriptions, care. You know, there is an element of they have been at the time when, you know, the Conservatives were rightly, in my opinion, pursuing an austerity plan south of the border. The SNP have shielded the people from Scotland from that austerity, and we can come on to why they were able to do that as we we look a bit deeper. But ultimately, uh, you know, if you were a socialist north of the border and in Scotland, you could either vote for a Labour Party that's proved ineffective as an opposition south of the border, or the Scottish National Party, which has, you know, is... Is effectively, or, or can at least claim to be, delivering on the, the socialist manifesto in Scotland. So I, I'm not sure that there's not a there is not a specious link between support for the SNP for me is support for a socialist agenda. I'm not sure that that data says it's a support. It's a vote for the nationalist agenda. Although I can see absolutely why Nicola Sturgeon will say, "Well, we'll treat this as a referendum." because we know everybody's going to vote for us anyway.
0: Yeah. And I, and, and, I, and I guess you could mirror back a similar response to the result, the, res, the result of our referendum um, in the sense of it was a narrow majority, but the government kept saying um, that because it had been elected to power, because um, it just kept having elections afterwards because it couldn't seem to do anything. Um, it, was then returned you know returned well returned in 2017 with a much smaller majority gamble didn't pay off yep um and british public got hacked off and returned them with a whopping majority in 2019 um and the government were then able to claim that that gave them a mandate to do basically whatever the heck they liked um and there's a whole other show about mm. whether that was the case uh, but from a perspective of this is the thing. Referendums enable you to answer a very specific question. So they're, they're, you know, they have that going for them. But the limit to them, as we found with Brexit, is that it's very easy to vote for the idea of something. But whether what's actually negotiated is worth it in the end is a, is a different question. And and if we've learned anything from the last six years, the... You know maybe maybe that's kind of something to you know for the for the people of Scotland to consider. But from a perspective of yes referendums give you a yes or no answer to a simplistic question, but very, very few things in um, in life and indeed in politics are are that simplistic. Um, but at the same time, you using a general election vote as a mandate to do that, it's not really ideal, but then again, to be fair, that's what Nicola Sturgeon said herself. She said, well, I'd rather have a referendum, but can't have that, so I'm going to do this. I mean, I'm paraphrasing yeah, that. But- fa-
1: <laughs> yeah, and to be fair, I mean, I, I guess there's a, there's an element of, you know, you could argue that she's taking a, you know, that she is she is taking a slight risk there because at the moment, you know, when you look at those numbers, you know, what were they, you know, SMP 56 and the rest you know the rest can probably hire a large minibus to come down together um for um for
0: um for seats uh, so the S&P 2009, 2019 were 40 48
1: so and the rest uh, the conservatives six labor one liberal democrats four yeah so you know 12 seater minibus with a driver and you know they they can all get down to to westminster so You know, again, you you know, are you taking a risk there by saying, you know, well, we're going to make this a mandate about, you know, the SNP? Well, the Conservatives have never done anything north of the border. So, you know, if I I look at it, you know, Labour used to rule the roost and don't. And the Lib Dems, you know, have always been, you know, have always had their pockets and, and you can say, well, you know, there is no there is no second party that's going to present a realistic challenge to the SNP, is there? Um,
0: no. And although they were the party with the with the highest percentage of the vote, they didn't have more than fifty percent of the vote. Most people voted
1: for someone else. Well, and this comes, back. much as I I hate to to touch on it because you' shall, you'll produce a flag of some sort from behind you but um I'm gonna say first past the post um, you know again it, it's a system that that you know has has if I get my sums roughly right you know 50 percent of the vote has given the MP the SMP 80% percent of the seats
0: um yeah um, and that's interesting because um because the the MP the Scottish MPs are elected under first past the uh, first past the post, but the MSPs aren't elected under first past the post.
1: And am I correct that the SNP is actually in coalition with the Greens to run the Scottish Parliament? Uh, they or do they have an outright majority?
0: Uh, no, they um, they are in um, they are in coalition with the with the Greens. So uh, as for the MSPs. Um, yep. So the SNP have um, have 64, the Conservatives have 31, Labour has 22, the Liberal Democrats have four, and the Greens have eight. So um, and when you, if you compare that to the earliest um, Scottish Parliament elections, which were in 1999, SNP started out with 35, the Conservatives 18. So both of them have nearly doubled their vote share. Uh, well, sorry, their their share of the seats. Labour have gone from fifty six to the twenty two, so nearly a third a of their vote share, and the Liberal Democrats yep. have gone from seventeen to four, so nearly a quarter of their vote share, and the Greens have gone from one to eight. So, you know, um, it's um it, it's an interesting turn turn of numbers, but in 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 that respect,
1: um again, most but the da- sorry, gone. Yeah, but the data clearly shows again that the SNP. Are taking their are taking their vote share from Labour um, and possibly a bit from the Lib Dem. You know, it, it it is an element of, you know, I I I think they are a, you know, as I've hypothesised there. It's a it's a takeover. It, it's a takeover of the left leaning vote. It isn't it, to me. I'm not. Comp- I I can't see anything that shows me. That there is a seismic shift in Scottish politics that 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 says that the nationalist agenda, I mean, they probably argue that well, that's why that people have moved away from Labour, because we're both, we're all socialists together, but thus you get the added bonus of um of independence. But the poll of polls and the twenty fourteen election result itself, and let's look at that, that was what? You know, again, that was some Fifteen, sixteen years after devolution um, doesn't really bear out no it, 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 if what you were expecting to see was a
0: seventy eighty percent majority um in favor of independence, that's not what the that's not what the polls and not what the elections are saying so so in that respect, considering how painful it is to hold that you know to hold a referendum or to to reopen it um at this point. That's kind of the that's the thing, but has has the mechanisms of the politics inside and outside Scotland driven the supporters of independence to leave the whatever party other parties they they might have been in, um, as you say, predominantly it seems to be Labour and, and the Liberal Democrats, and and rowing rowing behind the SNP. I mean, you know, the the Lib Dems lost lots of members that were in favour of Brexit because there were actually Lib Dems there were that were in favour of Brexit um you know so some of them would have fallen silent during during that time when they were very vocal about that and it's a similar sort of argument obviously just in reverse um
1: yes and and they touched on on leaving the eu and and you know suggested that scotland was dragged out against its will yeah about 60 percent
0: of the that's the vote in scotland about 60 percent of the vote uh, was in favor of remaining um in the eu um, and the rest, um, the rest not. So, uh, but because the number of voters in England is greater than the number of voters in Scotland. Because um, Scotland yeah, and, I mean, Scotland was- and Wales voted in favour of leaving. Uh, sorry, England and Wales voted in favour of leaving and Scotland, Northern Ireland um, and also Gibraltar um, voted heavily in, in favour of remaining for quite clear and under- understandable reasons so yeah part of part of um part of the SNP's uh, narrative is also that that what they want is independence from the uk uh, but to but to join the eu as a as a partner on their own basis so rather than being mm. coming in under the uk banner they're, they're um and that would give them um a seat at the table that they wouldn't have had as a member of the UK within the EU so it would in, in many ways that would actually give them more more representation smaller countries get a larger number of MEPs um, per capita, than the larger countries. Sorry, per basically per head, than yeah. uh, the larger countries do. Just to try and stop the larger countries overwhelming by votes that the smaller countries, and just by having a place on the Council of Europe, it means it means that they um, basically they get a say in the formation of of laws um, across the EU. So in so in that respect, there's a different sort of electoral and representative mechanism in the EU. So it's. I think there's a there's a quite an easy point to make of, Well, you're leaving the UK in order to be able to rejoin the EU, but the representation uh, the representation argument is is quite
1: different. Um, but sorry, go on. Yeah, and I think that's uh, that is a very interesting point to unpick mm. because if that is the if that is part of the rationale for the direction of travel, then it does start to ask us some very significant questions around, you know, whether Scotland would be eligible to join the EU. Um, And, but there are also some very, very kind of puzzling parallel Hmm. kind of elements of, well, Scotland was very clear about wanting to remain in the EU. And that makes, that makes for me absolute sense in terms of, if you leave leave aside, if you leave out any kind of ideological-based arguments, then the UK as a whole was a net financial contributor. Mm -hmm. Um, But, you know, again, there's the argument about benefit and kind and everything else. But ultimately, the the EU paid cash in and then got support back um, through EU grants and Scotland as a nation was a net beneficiary of those grants. So as being part of the EU, you know, being a, a a country that, you know, again, that there was, there, you know, there are elements of economic deprivation and social deprivation, which meant that they were eligible to receive chunks of EU funding. I kind of, I absolutely get it from the, you know, from a Scottish perspective that says, well, that's why we wanted to stay in the EU, chum. Um, but yeah, and this is where the this is where the flip comes in. Go go on, and I'll, no, I'll no, hold look, the uh, uh, flip off for a minute.
0: Yeah, no, <laughs> if you can hold on, if you can hold on to your flip for for a second. I think I think their argument would be um, that that those aren't the only reasons that, um, and this is this is where there's almost a. I don't know if you it, it's like one of those mirror universe episodes of Star Trek, right, where suddenly all of the characters, all of the characters that are that are the good guys are the bad guys and they've got evil traits and it's almost this kind of yes. flipping of the entire argument in the universe. And I'm not saying anybody's good and bad in this. I just find yes. it really really interesting from a from a from a from a mental dilemma perspective of if you were against the UK leaving the EU. Um because you did, you want, you feel that we're better um, together, then you should be in favour of um, the U uh, of Scotland remaining in the UK. Surely, because we're better together, and therefore there are some things as we do better as an as an international organisation rather than on our own. All of the, all of those sorts of arguments. Um, but at the same time, um, those that were desperately in favour of leaving the EU because they wanted independence and they wanted the ability to write their own laws and to um, set their own tax levels and all of those all of those sorts of familiar arguments that we won't get into because that's a whole other show. Um, you can't also be against Scottish independence, surely, because that's denying the, the independence that you wanted from the EU for Scotland what Scotland does with that independence is a matter for her, for her people to decide whether they decide to rejoin the EU if they're if they're allowed to assuming that's the case or not so but there's also the parallel of the whole arguments of the whole lot the of flip. problems with the the, the, the yeah let, do you want to go to your flip because I was going to talk about customs unions and stuff very quickly
1: <laughs> yeah so the flip for me it, mm. Yeah, so so the, the, the flip for me is that you have a situation where, and I think Rishi Sunak touched on it, that said that you know Scotland has the the you know the most powers of of any devolved nation anywhere in the world, and you know they 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 have tax setting and raising powers now, um, that was brought into to place in two thousand and fifteen. But somebody mentioned it, which is the Barnett formula. Now, effectively, what that means is that, you know, the the all of the things that all of the tactics. Sorry, I've just got echo there. Can you still hear me?
0: I can still hear you fine. Yeah, there was a bit of a clip on the line, but I can still hear you.
1: No worries. So the element of, you know, all that money, all the revenue that comes into the UK, the UK then gives back what's called the block grant to Scotland. um, And effectively, any any objective measure of that says that Scotland gets back more money than it pays in. You know, in 1997, Scotland were um, effectively took control of local business rates. Um, And the Institute for Fiscal Studies in 2015 looked at that and said, well, the block grant should have come down further than it has. So, you know, at the moment, Scotland are taking the money in with the business grants and still getting a block grant. That means they're about a billion pounds a year better off than they should be. Um, In 2012, the ability to start collecting um, stamp duty on sales of property in Scotland and again by 2015, they still couldn't be a mechanism of how element of the block grant that came back for stamp duty should be adjusted. So Scotland was in a position where it was collecting the stamp duty and collecting the block grant. And similarly, as you know, Scotland has got devolved tax powers, um, there is still an element of whilst the block grant is being adjusted, it tends to lag by a good two or three years, which means that Scotland continues to get a bigger share of the pie then you know it should be and I'm going to use the word entitled to and some people can get angry about that but the the way the formula works is that it is beneficial to the people of Scotland and this is ultimately how the SNP have been able to fund the better standard of welfare that the people of Scotland experience compared to those south of the border so I kind of look at it and you're right about that. You know that freedom and independence, the the wrapping yourself in the flag argument that that was was there for whether we left or stayed in the EU. But if you look at this in cold hard financial cash and I don't mean you know net benefits and in kind and all those abstracts which are undoubtedly true. Scotland gets a pretty sweet deal out of this financially. So, the financial argument for independence. Oh, I...
0: I mean, I mean, it, it's not for us to to make or break that that case for that argument, are you know? Our, you know, what we, what we're trying to understand is how did we kind of get to the, this point, and what are the what are the kind of what are the things um, to consider? And I think uh, the interesting thing for me is that. Um, when you look at some of the really, really contentious points in the negotiation between the UK and the EU as part of its Brexit deal, the, the so-called oven ready deal, were about the arguments to do with um, the EU wanting to protect the single market and the customs union where where there needed to be an open border across the island of Ireland. Because um, otherwise, basically, yep. the Good, Good Friday agreement would would, would go into meltdown um and all of the problems that would cause. Um all of those arguments get visited again because you'd have the same situation if Scotland were to leave uh the UK um and then eventually to leave the EU. Then we actually just have the same issue of a of a of a land border that will be I'm sure not I'm not saying it's going to be contentious in the same way, but it will be contentious for all the people that are quite used to driving backwards and forwards every day. Um, without it being a, a noticeable thing them driving across the border, um, that will become a, a you know a, a basically the edge of the customs union again. So again, it comes back to the well, there either are, are these wonderful technical solutions that we were promised in um, in two thousand seventeen or eighteen that were just around the corner to solve the problem about Northern Ireland, that then they can put into place um, uh, between between Scotland and England. Um, or, or they're not or is there a direction of travel that means that the, the need for a border is removed by, by other mechanisms which might be politically unpal- palatable at the moment those, those again are different, entirely different arguments to kind of go in I just think that there's an interesting thing of the, the divorce if you like from the EU was about the EU protecting its single market and customs union but the UK will also want to protect its common trading area which effectively is a customs union, yeah, in a single and I, market of its own.
1: Yeah. And I think, I think you're absolutely right. I think there are, you know, again, it's, it's, it's the laws of unintended consequence, isn't it? The, the, you know, the, the, the Northern Ireland question is, isn't resolved. Um, it's still, you know, people wouldn't want it said out loud. There is still a border in the RC um you know there is an element of of you know that brings complexity with it i think if you you know if scotland were to become independent then then obviously there is a you know there there is a there is a complexity that comes with that um and again when we touch on northern ireland um again as i went down various rabbit holes in the research of this past, um yeah again Uh, And I know English people get accused of not learning their history. I didn't realise that Northern Ireland was only separated into North and South in 1921. So it's only a Mm -hmm. it's 100 years ago. Um, But if you actually look at the recent polls in Northern Ireland, um, it's 40 percent are in favour of a united Ireland. 40 percent are in favour of remaining in the UK and 20 percent are undecided. Now, if we compare that to your Scottish poll of polls, um, which still has a majority for we'd like to stay. Well, admittedly, it, a narrow it, majority. It's only 3%. But yeah. A narrow majority to stay, but yeah. but there is this element of, you know, again, it's in, you know, and again, similar kind of argument that if you look, Sinn Féin um, has gone, you know, from being a, a, a very you know, it's a very similar trajectory to um, the SNP in that they are now the largest party in Northern Ireland. They're the second largest party in Southern Ireland. And again, very left of centre, kind of socialist agenda. Um, you know, no know Irish politics is different to Scottish and, and English politics, but there's there there's an element of if we say legitimacy to scotland having another referendum and i'm going to be playful here and say because the SNP didn't like the result in 2014 then you've actually got to start looking at northern ireland and saying well you could almost argue that they've they have the same legitimacy if not you know if not on the numbers alone showing that there's a you know there is a trajectory there but I,
0: but I think so something as the saying goes some things remain the same some things um some things change some things are similar and some things are different right so yes there will be the similar yearning um from um from the two different um types of uh, types of nationalists um, in the in mm. those respective countries, the difference is is that the Good Friday Agreement managed to give Sinn Fein, a way of and other Republicans of being able to say. There's a route by which we can we can achieve uni- reunification by peaceful means. And it's in the Good Friday Agreement. It's yep. that basically if there is I forget what the, the, the precise terms are, but it basically says that if you know if there's enough support for it, then a border poll can take place. So there is a mechanism within the Good Friday Agreement. And I mm. guess what the argument that the SNP was saying in Westminster and, and that they've been saying obviously ever since Wednesday was what is our mechanism? How can we be in this union and it not be voluntary? How can it how can there not be any mechanism by which we can see whether actually there is a genuine call for us to leave. And, I, and that's where I think, as, as much as the Supreme Court, I think were right to say that it wasn't a devolved matter, because last time it wasn't a devolved matter, the power had to be given to the Scottish Parliament to be able to hold the referendum. But the difference is that the UK government at the time agreed. The situation that we've got now creates that impasse that says, no, you can't, you can't test that question. Um, well, and that and just think, plays into the, that, that just plays I, into their hands, doesn't it?
1: Well, it it does, but I guess this is where this is where we get into some philosophical points, don't we? Which is that you know, 2014 isn't that long ago. You know, it's not a lifetime ago, is it? You know, if I look at the if I look at the Irish situation, you know, you you, you are you're in a situation where. You know, we're talking 100 years ago, there was separation. You know, the Good Friday Agreement, you know, how many years ago is that? It's, you know, I lose track of time. But but it's, it. you know, it's decades, whereas 2014 is less than 10 years ago. It,
0: it, it so is. There's, it is. There's, yeah.
1: there's that element of, well, you know, again... Uh, and it's clear that the SNP, the SNP are a nationalist party, aren't they? Mm-hmm. They are not going to give up calls for an independent Scotland.
0: No, um, any more than Nigel Farage would have given up had the result to the, to the Brexit referendum been the other way around. Co- and and, and he said so. So you know. Yeah, yeah. You know, they, but they, I guess it, they, it's a run seal that- moment, isn't it? The, poli- the, the political party is quite literally named with one function in mind, and exists yes. to to perform that. Um, So,
1: yeah. But I think the question for me is, and this is something I, I, you know, if we believe the polls, that's always a big if, and Westminster tomorrow, Rishi had a moment and said, go on then, have your referendum next October. And let's say that, that, you know, let's use the poll of polls that we've got there because it's the best data we've got. The votes are cast, 8% of people don't vote, and of the votes cast, 52% say we'd like to remain in the Union, and 48% say we'd like to leave. That's the that's the twenty twenty three Scottish Independence referendum. Well, when the let's say there is a there's a general election in twenty twenty four, and join with me here for a moment, okay. Simon and let's suggest that the Conservatives don't have a miraculous recovery in Scotland, neither do the Lib Dems or the Labour Party. When the SNP returns 60, or let's say 50, they increase their number of members of Parliament, the rest go down to 10, then surely in 2024, they're going to say, this is a ringing endorsement for Scottish independence you know, the the 2024 was a, you know, was a was a it was a, a a referendum by proxy on Scottish independence. The vast majority of people want the SNP. They want Scottish independence. So we're going to have another independence vote. Uh, yeah, if we follow that logic, then how can we stop Scotland and the SNP? Or you know, is this us shackling them and binding them to the union? To keep having referendum votes until they get the result they want,
0: um, I think it's a, I think it's a tricky one that you 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 can't answer because on one hand, yes, you can't keep having the vote until 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 they get the one that they ask uh, the you know the answer that they like, and then then they'll stop having them. Mm. Um, but on the other hand, I don't think it's a democratically defensible position to be able to say there is a large amount of support i don't think it, i don't think it's fair to say that the majority of support is in favor yep. of it because that's you know that's not what voting for a party says um so that's not how our electoral system works and it shouldn't be used that way because it's not it's not representative so you can't also say there is no mechanism by which you can choose or express your um your desire to um to basically to open negotiations to to leave the uk Mm -hmm. i don't i don't think that so on one hand i really wouldn't want them to to leave i really wouldn't want to um to see the the you know to see the uk diminish but the the question has to be a question for the for the people of scotland i don't think it's a it's a sustainable position for the UK government to say, no, you can't have that vote, but there needs to be some sort of mechanism in place that demonstrates, so that you're not having that vote every, ten, every five or ten years, that, you're, that you need to meet some sort of criteria before in order to, for that vote to take place, which is, the, the, and, and I forget what the criteria are, but that's what exists in the Good Friday Agreement which mm. says if certain situations are met, then a, a poll can, uh, basically a, a poll will take place. A border poll will take place about reunif- reunification. So in that sort of respect, we've got to kind of go from going from no, sitting with her arms folded, to, okay, if this is really genuinely what you want, then it's well, destructive for both of us, for us to... to basically to stop that happening
1: well and i guess that's where i i struggle a little bit because this is this is the piece where i've struggled with it through you know as we've looked into this is because it's not always been a no it was very much a yes in 2014 and the result came back no thanks we'd rather stay and then we had the referendum in 2016 where we chose to To leave the EU. Yes. And the SNP has joined those two things together, and they called it out in their, you know, in in some of their parliamentary speeches that say, you know, we wanted to remain because we wanted to be part of the big group of the UK and the even bigger group of the EU, and now we've been dragged out of the EU, we want to leave your medium-sized group and run off into the arms of the bigger group that is the EU. Well, yeah. And I'm paraphrasing a little yeah. yeah, just a bit, but they, but they, I mean, they,
0: they were repeatedly. T- it was the quote unquote project fear of the Indie Ref in two thousand and fourteen, wasn't it? Was the the only way to secure your place in the EU because there's no guarantee that you'll be allowed to rejoin the EU because there were all yep. sorts of arguments about whether that would cause problems for uh, for um, uh, for Spain um, about some separate, you know, some independence and separatist movements um, in, in Spain, um, and. So there was the whole kind of thing about, well, rather than open that chestnut up, the only way for you to guarantee that you're still a member of the EU is to remain in the UK. So to be fair, the, the Stronger Together campaign used that and it's backfired on them because the Conservative government then pursued a referendum on Brexit, which they then lost because they ran a completely dreadful Remain campaign that told them only how shit it would be to leave instead of all the reasons why you should stay. Um and we're we're rehearsing the same arguments again, they're trying to do yeah. the same thing again of rather than say you it will be great for you to stay because of this this, and this Westminster uh, you know there's the you can see the narrative already boiling over of where well, if you leave it will be crap, it will be horrible yeah. for you and
1: it, and it's the, yeah, it's I, the same I, guess argument. The, I I guess the piece for me which is missing hmm and this is where it's that it's that route to why we should have another one so soon, which I think is what we're settling on is the missing piece of the jigsaw, is if that poll of polls that you touched on was sixty forty leave, you know, if there was a, you know, if there was not, you know, not a decisive vote, but a a, a clear groundswell of Scottish opinion that was, you know, no, we really are indignant about the 2016 result. We really don't want to be part of this party anymore. We don't want to be part of this union anymore. We, we feel our future is better elsewhere. Then for me, it would add grist to the mill of the SNP's claims and if I share with you my, my thought when we, when we touched on this episode is you know I, I you know cards on the table Nicola Sturgeon irritates the hell out of me and you know I listened to a, a voice and I kind of got to the point of saying well do you know what if you the good people of Scotland don't want to be part of this union and it's clear you don't want to be. Then go on, have your vote. And if that's where you think your, you know, if that's where you think your future lies and you're going to be better off not together, then away you go, and I'll bid you farewell. But the biggest piece for me in doing the research for this is the SNP can. Continue- continually speak as if this is the overwhelming desire of the scottish people to be independent and a free nation the time is coming to be a nation again and send them homewards in the words of flower scotland but the numbers don't back that up no but they're doing
0: no different to what ukip did or what the brexit party did
1: but both of those were minor they were mon- they were minority they were one they were one policy parties weren't they um yeah the sm the smp if we do them credit is whilst they are clearly they have a nationalist agenda they have you know it's and look let's you know terrifying thought if Farage or the and his and his ukip chums would have got into government you know would have ended up governing they wouldn't have a clue what to do because it was that. Well, what are you going to do? You know, what's your policy on on energy? Bah, 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 bah. Let me speak. Um, are we going to leave the EU? Well, no, that's not what we need. You know, what's your position on welfare? We'd be bloody sight better off without those bureaucrats from Brussels, right? Well, none of that's relevant. Whereas, you know, for me, the SNP have shown that they are a credible, multi-dimensional governing party. Yeah in Scotland they're not just a one trick pony no and i think that's that's why i'm kind of struggling with their 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 kind of their mantra that this is the will of the scottish people being denied numbers aren't saying that to me so i think you i think you've you've hit the nail on the head in terms of there's got to be a mechanism that allows them to have another vote yes but it can't just be for me it can't just be well everybody's voting smp so that means they want independence because nothing in the data shows that to be true
0: no and and the, and the interesting thing was the um was that there was a a devolution referendum in 2000 oh, sorry in 1979 so way back in 1979 you and i won't remember it because as politically engaged i was at that age, that sprightly age i I, I wasn't that into no, into right. it no, so I wouldn't, I wouldn't care. but interestingly enough that referendum was 51% yes Scotland should be an independent com- country 48.4% no but because um because there was a mechanism in there that said that actually, um, I forget what the precise number was, I think it was, it, it can only pass if 60% of the of the electorate, not necessarily the ones that vote on the day, but you have to pass, you have to basically re- achieve the support of the majority of the electorate, regardless of whether, does that make sense? So if, if yeah, there's, yeah. there's 100,000 people and only 50,000 of them vote, and 30,000 of them vote for you. You haven't got the support of the majority. You've just got the support of the majority that voted. Now, without rehearsing the argument, that's the whole argument. That's one of the democratic arguments against the the type of Brexit that's been pursued with the UK government. But let's take those painful experiences and learn from them. And that bit of the past that says, there are mechanisms that you can put in place that say, rather than it be a straight, you know, you just have to have more, one more percent than the other people. Than the, you know, the other side of the argument that it's actually a it has to be an overwhelming view of the majority of the people entitled to vote um, in- and, and that way you know that actually the majority of the people are in favour of it rather than just the
1: people that turned up on the day Mm, and that that looks like the way forward. We we are coming to the end of time. As again, we've flown through. Um, just touching on, you said we had some uh, some comments and observations. Do we just want to touch on those quickly before we close out? Um, yeah, so uh, so when I posted about
0: the show, um, we got some comments um, come in. So um, so Lynn's response was um, let them have another vote if that's what they want. Um, we, uh, but David respo- David's response was uh, but they don't, and that's the point, and that's kind of the conversation we've been having. Yep. Um, he also pointed out later on that the the, the Scots had a referendum because the one in twenty fourteen because uh, Parliament had allowed it, um, and you can't keep having them until you get the answer that you want. Uh, Paddy, previous uh, guest on the show, um, if, a, if a political party's on d'etre is independence and it keeps getting elected, then there can be no surprise when it keeps banging on the drum and seeking an opportunity to turn a electoral success into success at another referendum. This is in the hands of the Scottish electorate if they want to stop the never-ending calls for another vote. Um, Gary says, could the SNP hold a referendum to ask whether the population wants a second referendum? uh G- i don't i'm not sure whether that's in whether that's comical or whether or or not because it's almost there's almost a bit of that that we've kind of touched on uh, yeah genius said shouldn't the rest of the uk have a say i don't want a divided british souls but i i wouldn't get a vote would i um and she goes on to say it just makes me um sad to think of the uk being divided up in this way um and um yeah, so it, it, kind of, um, it kind of goes on from that on. Oh, Rick said, the trouble is with the SNP is that they have as much a mandate in Scotland to air their voice as any Conservative and Unionist in the UK. They are the third largest political party in the UK. Look what Nigel Farage did with independence from the EU just by banging his drum constantly for eons of years and even creating a minority party to use as, as a tool. He got his referendum in the end um and another one from paddy i think she will use the next year as a virtual referendum which she then announced that she would if the scots yep. understands what this will mean um they either drop the snp or they give them a mandate to basically go ahead and pursue that um and aid um the last comment is it does prove a point about independence though scotland can that scotland can be denied a vote by westminster the decision has played into their hands
1: yeah, and there is very much an argument for that that, that there is you know again the, the you know playing that sort of victim mentality and and you know phrases like being shackled and held against our will you know will play very well and, and again the parallels between the the language used by the you know the the UKIP at the time and by uh, the SNP now it's strange that we should draw parallels between the two. But uh, there you have it. So we haven't come down on one side of the fence or another, which is unusual for us. I know. um, But the conclusion is divorce isn't easy. Never easy. Never, never easy. So you've been listening to the Pompey Politics Podcast. I've been Ian Tiny Morris. And I've been Simon Sandsbury. Join us next week at 6.27
0: um, when we have another show for you. Uh, Please do like, follow, um, subscribe on YouTube, uh, Facebook um just to um just to keep up to date with um with our next show but thanks very much for watching thank you for listening to this episode of the Pompey Politics podcast if you want to make sure you get notifications about upcoming shows and get to know when we're live, we normally broadcast live 6.27pm on a Sunday evening, then follow us on Facebook at Pompey Politics Podcast. You can also follow us on Twitter at Pompey Politics One. Please, if you'd like to, feel free to leave a review wherever you listen to your podcasts, and you can even ask Alexa to play the podcast for you. Alexa, play the latest episode of the Pompey Politics Podcast.
3: Getting Pompey Politics Podcast from Amazon Music. Alexa, the stop. See?
0: It's easy.